Welcome to Branding BFF, a podcast for service businesses, creative professionals, and coaches. I'm your host, Lisa Spear. I'll be having authentic conversations with entrepreneurs and brand creators, so you can gain behind-the-scenes insights and inspiration to apply to your branded business. Please note, these are uncensored conversations with guests, so there's a chance they'll be adult language. Welcome. So glad to have you here, Leanne. Thank you, Lisa. So you've got a really strong and recognizable brand, and you provide excellent and unique service. Thank you. So I happen to know a little bit behind the scenes that you've got a really strong and intentional brand now, but that's actually not how you said you started out. You mentioned the words accidental branding. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't we start with who you are, what you do, and then tell us a little bit what you mean about accidental branding. Sure. I'm known around the world now as the car chick because I own a business that helps women and smart men buy cars without all the hassle of traditional car shopping at a dealership. And when we first started the company, I started it with a business partner way back when. And the name of the business back then was technically Women's Automotive Solutions. And when I came on board with that, I was really burnt out on working in corporate America and that formal CEO, COO, president, snooty corporate structure. And so I wanted to be completely different. And I just kind of jokingly put Chief Car Chick down on my Articles of Incorporation (laughs) document. (laughs) Much to my accountant's dismay. But then it just kind of, that took off. And I had that on my name tag when I would go to networking events. And so people just started calling me Car Chick. And especially this older gentleman who unfortunately passed away about 10 years ago, he really started it. And he's like, hey, car chick, hey, car chick. (laughs) And it just kind of caught on. And I realized that that really did embody who I am because I do know so much about cars. I love cars. And one of the intentions of our business was to make car shopping fun. So, you know, at the time we had some really cute, you know, cartoons and hot pink colors and It was everything that the rest of the automotive industry was not. And so just over time, I realized as we started doing a lot of grassroots marketing, because of course, you know, we started the business with no money for marketing and had to do everything (laughs) very grassroots, that brand caught on. I I didn't even know what branding was back then. You know, I thought branding was like Nike and Starbucks, but it, the news media, they caught it because the business model was unique, but they also just kind of latched on to that car chick. And at some point in a, over those two years, I realized that it was a brand. I'm sure someone smarter than me told me it was a brand. <laughs> That's why we need people in our life, right? To see the things we can't see. <laughs> exactly. And, so, and that became what people knew the business was. They didn't remember Women's Automotive Solutions, which was a bit of a mouthful. They remembered Car Chick. And so that actually ended up causing a, a rift between me and my now former business partner. But it was just what people remembered. And so when she and I did split up, then I intentionally rebranded under the Car Chick because that was what was known in the marketplace. It got me on the radio. It got me on television. And then I started using that brand on an internationally syndicated radio show that I became a part of. I used it anytime I was on television. So it became intentional. And then about four years ago, we decided to up-level that to a celebrity-level brand you know, worldwide. And then I, of course, hired smarter people than me <laughs> to new branding and marketing. And, and they were really instrumental in creating the brand that exists today. 
along with some other people that really helped me to understand that branding isn't just your logo. It's the entire customer experience of your business and how you interact with the world. You are speaking to the the person here <laughs> who is so excited to hear somebody else saying that. You know, when I talk about branding with people, I say it's the visual, it's the verbal, and it's the experiential. It's this whole circle that it's everything that connects with you and your clients. So I love that you have figured that out through working with great people, but also I think some of the best branding is branding that is actually really authentic and rooted in truth. So you mentioned um, that you've had a connection with cars. I think, I can't remember if it was just in your bio or you just said something recently about that, that I was privy to the conversation, but tell us a little bit about your connection to cars and how far back that goes. Uh, It goes back to, I think, age two. Wow. Seriously. Wow. (laughs) We, our neighbors had a Volkswagen Beetle. And as a two-year-old, plus remember, this is the time, and I'm, I'm going to be seriously giving away my age here, but at that time, the Herbie the Love Bug mm-hmm. movies were out there. So the Volkswagen Bug, it's a very distinctly shaped vehicle and one that's easy for a child to identify and relate to. And of course, our neighbors had one. So, you know, they had an orangey Volkswagen. I called it the orangey Volkswagen. <laughs> and so they're like, I loved them. <laughs> and just, I was just always really attracted to cars. And so, you know, my dad started teaching me driving concepts when I was seven. He got, he had his first midlife crisis and bought a stick shift, the first generation Mazda RX-7. So, you know, I was like, oh, this, this, what is this stick? What is, how does this work? And he would taught me about manual transmissions and let me shift it. And I just have loved cars my entire life. That's amazing. So that's why when I partnered with, you know, my now ex-business partner, It was funny because she came out of the dealership world and there's almost nothing she doesn't know about the car business, but she actually didn't know much about cars themselves. They were widgets to her. So Mm -hmm. combining that knowledge was really powerful and just the random weird facts that stick in my brain. Of course, now I'm married to a master certified mechanic, so there's even more random information stuck in my brain about cars, (laughs) but it's become my superpower. But it's also, it's my passion. So Car Chick as an accidental brand did come from a place of pure authenticity. It is absolutely who I am. It's not just what my business is. Yeah, and I think that's really cool because so many times people, you know, create something from a surface level and then it just doesn't stick or it doesn't connect with people. And this way, it's like you embody it inside and out. Yeah, it's just who I am and somebody managed to put a label on it and then some people created some pretty graphics to go with it. But <laughs> but it is it is who I am. And I think one of the, the biggest aha moments for me was when I realized after I worked with my very first client, that it wasn't about the cars either. She was a single mom who had been in a bad financial situation. She'd been taken advantage of by a con artist who had left her bankrupt, and quite honestly, she was lucky to be alive. And she was stuck in a lease on a little two-door car that she was over the mileage on, still had another year on the lease. Her six-year-old and all of his stuff in his car seat weren't fitting it anymore, and she really was in a panic, but she was terrified to go to the dealership because that con artist happened to have been a car salesman. Oh, wow. So we got connected because she had seen an article about my company (laughs) in a magazine, and you know, helping her through that process and making it easy for her and, and getting her into a little SUV and saving her $100 a month. When we took delivery of it and the whole thing to 20 minutes, she broke down and cried and said, that's it? I'm like, yeah, we're done. And she just burst into tears, hugged me, 
and it had changed her life. And that was the moment when I realized that it wasn't about the cars. It was about empowering women. And that gave me a platform upon which to then intentionally build the brand. You know, the fact that I help people get a great deal on cars is almost a side effect. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's the icing on the cake. It's not the what's behind the brand. The brand is about empowering women. And I think to have women see another woman who feels confident negotiating, who feels confident going into spaces that are predominantly have in the past been, you know, or and still are male dominated, you know, having an example of that, you know, we talk about representation and race and in orientation, all these things out in the world, how important that is. And I think still for women, there's places where we also really need to see strong women who are confident doing things that sometimes some of us aren't so that was one of the things that I I knew about you early on in fact um, you know when we initially I connected you for some other negotiating thing a panel uh, (laughs) I was just like oh yes yes I know the perfect person and and in fact I had said you know we need to see women need to see other women negotiating and being confident and strong and good at it so I think that also leading by example. Yes. You know, yes, it's a service. Yes, people, you know, do hire you for it. And at the same time, it's the bigger thing is the visibility of what it provides. It is. And it's also the brand has allowed me to connect with other totally badass women in the marketplace. Sorry. I hope I'm swearing your podcast. Yes. But, <laughs> but authenticity. Really, authenticity, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's part of it, you know, because I am snarky. <laughs> you know this. You know me. I'm really snarky. There's usually some. You can't be around cars. You know, I race cars. You know, we end up wrenching on the cars. You can't race cars or work on cars without cussing. You just can't. So, you know, while I have tempered that, I have brought it into my brand. So, you know, crap is an official word in actual art. <laughs> the brand document. Nice. It's in there. So, <laughs> because yeah, it is that authenticity. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, the car buying process is crap. And yeah. our goal is to take all the crap out of it. So, you know, but that has enabled me to connect with so many other amazing women that are also changing the automotive industry, that are racing cars, that own mechanic shops, that own dealerships. And, you know, I didn't realize just what an incredible group of women were out there and us being able to kind of coalesce together around some key brands has been very, very powerful. That's amazing. So, Talk a little bit about the services you provide because, you know, we've talked about the brand, but also such a big part of, you know, a brand is what services you provide and how you provide them. Yeah, sure. You know, we, when we originally started the company, we saw, you know, from my then partner having run car dealerships, she was one of the first female general managers in the entire country. And we just saw every day how many smart, successful women, they owned homes, they ran businesses. These were seriously high-powered, smart women, and yet they still felt like they needed to bring a man with them when they went to buy a car. They were not comfortable necessarily with that type of negotiating process because it is different than negotiating business contracts or whatever. Sure. They didn't feel that they were treated with the respect that they deserved as a consumer. You know, you'll be hard-pressed to find a woman who doesn't have some story about how yeah, we went and, you know, the car salesman would only talk to my husband, even though we were buying the car for me. We saw these common bad experiences and, you know, women, they were fed up with it. They were sometimes intimidated by it. And quite frankly, they had better things to do with their time. We are busy. (laughs) You don't have time to go sit for eight hours in a car dealership and listen to them say, honey, can I show you the vanity mirror? 
do we need to get your husband down here to talk about these numbers? <laughs> I kid you, these are not, this is not me just being snarky. These are actual quotes. And wow. so, yeah. And so we're like, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so we looked at the market and, you know, identified the problem in the marketplace, <laughs> you know, marketing 101, and saw that, okay, you know, there are realtors out there. You don't buy a house typically without some professional guidance. Yet a car is the second largest purchase that most people will make in their life, and yet there's nobody out there to help you. Yeah. There is, because of the internet and the changes in the market over the years, there's a ton of information out there, but knowing what that information means, what sources of information are even trustworthy, because so many of them are, you know, marketing clickbait things, that you know, it was just very overwhelming and confusing to people. So why not have an advocate who is on your side, just like a realtor is at a house, do the similar process but for a car? It totally makes sense. It does. And when I went in to buy a car, before I knew you, and I wish I'd known you, <laughs> like I did all my research, I did the Kelly Blue Book, I like did all this stuff. And ultimately, I walked out of there feeling like that was too easy. How did I get screwed? <laughs> because I'd done all the research, and I had numbers, and I had all these things, and I'm like, they somehow, I just felt like, yeah, they were nice and all that stuff, but like I had talked to my friend in New York who works had worked for McLaren cars at the time. He was like going at the end of the month, like all these all these things, all these tips and tricks supposedly, and I just felt like somehow I got screwed. I don't know how, but I felt like in my gut that, you know, somehow there was something I'd missed and I wished I'd known you. And you were probably right. You should trust that gut. And, and the reason is, is that about 75% of the information that you need to negotiate a good deal for yourself on a new car is available on the internet if you can find it and make sense out of it. But it's that other 25% is where you lose 90% of your money. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And I look at, you know, actually the, the price of the car you're buying, that's the easiest part of the whole deal. There are eight areas in any deal where the car dealer can make money off of you. And I'm not against the dealers. That's one of the most important things about my brand is that I truly work to create a win-win. But, you know, the dealers do this. This is what they do. They sell hundreds of cars a month. Of course, they're going to be better at it than a private person who buys a car once every three, four, ten yeah. years and they have a right to make a fair profit they're a business not a charity but because this is one of the few areas in american society where it is standard to negotiate you also have the right to get yourself the best dang deal you can so you know i look across the whole big picture i look at all eight of those areas and make sure that end to end you are getting the best overall deal keeping the most pennies in your pocket buying the right car in the first place because you can save $7,000, but if it's a crappy car, you know, yeah. it's not necessarily a good deal. So you know, when we first started the company, it was all about the negotiating. And then you know, I realized that the price we saved them on the deal was actually the icing on the cake. It was more of the experience. And where I could bring more value to the table was in my knowledge of all the cars. And somehow I managed to figure out a way to match people to cars, so like the matchmaker process, because <laughs> I think that the car shouldn't just get you from point a to point B, it should, it's a tool that supports your lifestyle and it should be a reflection of your personality so that when you get into it every day, you go, I love my car. Well, let's <laughs> talk about your car and how it relates to your brand because <laughs> I know you love your car. I do. My car is named Maggie. I believe that everyone should name their car. And uh, she's a little mini Cooper. And I bought her 
one, because I needed to get out of my old car, which was a little too expensive for a new business owner to drive, and <laughs> I couldn't afford it anymore. But, you know, the minis are cute, and I knew that I wanted to have a roving billboard. I knew that, you know, putting the logos on the car would be an effective use of what few advertising dollars I had at my disposal. And so I named her Maggie because the minis were originally British, and she's named for... Margaret Thatcher, nice. the former prime minister. <laughs> so, you know, now she's fully wrapped in the logos. And Maggie kind of became a character in and of herself because I, I project a lot of my own snarkiness onto Maggie because she can say things that are a little over the line. Right. <laughs> she can make fun of the Prius. She can use a little more colorful language than I can as the professional. So it was a way to bring some of that fun and snarkiness into the brand and have this cartoon character. She was turned into a cartoon on for our videos. Nice. So so Maggie has her own personality. She does have her own Facebook page. Um, but you know, she has been a powerful tool because you can't miss her, you know, just a hot pink Mini Cooper zipping around town at, you know, sometimes unsafe speeds gets people's attention. Well, and it's contextually relevant too. Yes. That's one thing I notice is you do see a lot of cars that are wrapped, but sometimes you're like I would never buy that product or service by looking at your car and just seeing it advertised. However, the car chick mentioned on a car, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, what's that about? Like it raises your interest in a relevant, meaningful way. And it's, you know, not just any car. It's a little mini Cooper that is visually interesting anyway. And the cute zippiness of it also fits in the brand because you underestimate a Mini Cooper. Yeah. It doesn't have a huge amount of horsepower, but it's really naturally zippy. Men tend to underestimate women in the automotive industry. You know, I'm pretty zippy around that negotiating table too. So, <laughs> you know, Maggie is Maggie is an extension of my personality. Yeah. She really is. So let's talk a little bit about your brand colors. Okay. Because I know pink is one of the predominant ones. Um, and I noticed you wear pink a lot at different networking events on your videos. So just tell me about the role of pink and also does it play into your personal life as well? Um, you know, I, I liked pink when I was a little girl and then I went through a phase where I didn't like pink, but we, we chose the hot pink originally in the branding because, you know, number one, it is such a, it's a, you know, it's a girly color, but we picked hot pink instead of ballerina pink because we need it to be a powerful girly color but it got attention because when you say women and car shopping and hot pink people went huh right (laughs) it literally stopped traffic so to speak and made people stop and look and go what the heck is this because you will not see hot pink anywhere else in the automotive industry and especially at the time that we did it and you know i brought that into it's a color brand differentiator it is plus you're differentiated in the marketplace it is and you know because you know, it's the the brand became about you know badass <laughs> women's yeah. empowerment. Hot pink just made sense for that, and so you know I do wear it. I part of my branding team when we up leveled the brand was a stylist who is a fashion guru with a marketing background, so she gets visual branding. We had a full team working, and Sonia was able to help me decide. Okay, what do I wear? So I literally don't leave the house without wearing something approved by her. <laughs> And then, um, you know, the T-shirt I'm wearing now, you know, I had these made because I actually came up with a definition of the term car chick, and it's both a noun and a verb. A car chick as a noun is a woman with superior automotive knowledge and or skills. But as a verb to say, oh, hey, you just got car chicked, 
It means to put a guy in his place with your superior automotive knowledge and or skills. <laughs> so I have to ask this. This was not a, a question I thought of in advance, but I'm like, okay, what talking about female empowerment, women's empowerment, and also the term mansplaining, it's thrown around a lot <laughs> because there's a lot of times, you know, you do see men who assume that women don't know something or they feel like they have to explain it to them. So with you and your business, like how much of the time do you, are you dealing with that and how do you do it in a way that still like you get to be professional, get you represent your brand, but you also part of your brand is snarky. So I'm kind of curious about this whole whole conversation around. Well, remember when I said the verb is putting a guy in his place with your superior automotive knowledge and or skills? I mean, I knew from the very beginning that because I didn't come out of the dealership background the way my partner did, she already had respect, at least locally. I knew I had to earn it. Mm-hmm. And the way that I would have to earn it was by knowing more and being better than them. You know, I do that in my racing, you know. We don't just go out there and race. We go out there to win because as women, that's what we have to do. And so I made sure that I knew at least as much, if not more, as they do. And you know, now that I'm known in the brands, you know, in the marketplace, most of the dealers that I deal with, they are very respectful. Some of them are fearful, which they should be. <laughs> but sometimes I will be working in an area of the country where I don't have a, as many contacts because I can help people coast to coast. And I just, I recently did get a mansplaining dealer jerk <laughs> in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, you know, who was trying to explain to me, well, honey, it's not just about, you know, the price I'm giving you on the car. You know, you really need to look at these other areas because, you know, my dock fee is lower than this guy's dock fee, blah, blah, And I said, actually, I look at eight areas. Here are the eight areas that I have, and here where you're deficient in all eight of those areas and why I'm giving the deal to the guy over here. Nice. So I shut him down really fast, and I explained to him why he didn't get my business. And I said, and because of the rude way with which you've treated me, even if he did come in $200 higher than you, my client and I still would have done the business with him instead. Yeah. So it's about it's about you know being known as your skill, not as your gender. <laughs> yes, and, and standing and, up for yourself. And standing up, and and also just you know making sure that I, what I heard in that too was giving him good reasons why you're going somewhere else actually will perhaps give him a pause when he's going into another situation with another woman, you know, he has no clue what he doesn't know about some of the women coming And I have no problem. And I have (laughs) done this on a few occasions going over his head to the general manager of the dealership and said, hi, this is who I am. This was deal. And I would like to explain to you why your dealership lost this deal because of this particular manager. Yeah. I have gotten a couple people fired over the years. (laughs) No worries. But it was all in the name of standing up for right what what I do and, and my client. I'm standing up for my client. And I think that's the other thing, you know, with branding and business. Um, you know, a lot of times, particularly new entrepreneurs, they don't want to make waves. They want everyone to like them. And I think, you know, a really strong brand is actually going to have – it's going to attract the right people and it's going to repel the wrong people. So you're not for everybody, right? Like a strong brand is not for everybody. And just like the same, you know, you're the you're the figurehead of your brand, right? So your, your personality might not be for everybody. But for somebody who wants an ally, somebody who wants someone in their corner, someone who is going to fight for them, you're that person. And I always knew that on the client side where – I kind of had to learn it on the vendor side because, you know, being kind of a middle woman, (laughs) 
you know, my partner was very concerned about, okay, don't piss off the dealers, don't piss off the dealers. And I understand why, because without them, you know, we don't have a business because they're the one that actually has the product. Right. But I very quickly learned that there's a lot of dealers out there and they're just like I have ideal clients. There's also ideal dealerships that they get my brand. They understand the pain points of my clients. And so when I do encounter a dealership that is disrespectful, difficult to work with, I don't mind if I piss them off a little bit because they're not the only game out there and I want to repel them too and work with the dealers who are like, wow, we love your brand. This is awesome. I love the service you're providing. We recognize the benefit to us too. Let's do business. Let's have a long-term relationship. Yeah, and ultimately that's one thing I do know about you is you are all about relationships and ultimately, you know, if you can build long-term relationships with people, you're in the end, it's going to help everybody's brand and business. It does, and it makes my life easier because there are now certain people, and it's funny because it's a lot of the women that I've met in the industry. It's a different working relationship you know, with the guys. It's about the numbers, and I can talk to them, and sometimes I have to babysit them a little bit, but I found that with some of the women I work with, you know, two emails and we've got a deal done because they get it. I don't have to tell them to go look at the car. It's funny when I'm looking at used cars, you know, I'll ask the salesperson, the manager I'm working with, hey, can you go look at this car and really just tell me if you were buying it for your mother, you know, tell me about it. And the guys come back like, oh, yeah, the car's good. It's real clean, blah, blah, blah. And the women come back and go, Okay, so on the left front quarter panel, there is a quarter of an inch scratch, but it doesn't go through the clear coat, so you'll totally be able to buff it out. And then over here. (laughs) (laughs) Whole different perspective. Whole different perspective, whole different relationship, and it's great. Well, I think the the last question I have for you is really about, um, I love how you talked about your, your customers' pain points. One thing I appreciate is how strong your messaging is. Like, it's clear you understand what people are dealing with. Um, so what was the process like to get to the place where all of your messaging totally resonates and connects with your audience? Honestly, that's probably where I have spent the most money in my business. I have been trained by some very good coaches. I grew up as a figure skater, so I understand the value of coaching. And I'm also like, okay, I'm going to hire the smartest, most successful coach in the room because I want to get this right the first time and it's worth investing in my business for that. And so, you know, I actually learned that process from several different, you know, international level marketing gurus and I have tweaked it over time and and that's given me the the process to iteratively kind of really look at my business and understand those things because when I first started, I was like so many other new business owners. Oh yeah, I can work with everybody. It took me a while to understand that and, and to look at my own clients that I've worked with and said, okay, well of the people that I have worked with now for a few years, who have I liked working with the most? Who am I most passionate about serving? And honestly, who is the most profitable for me? Because you can't sugarcoat that when you're looking at your target market. You know, if your target market are women and orphan, you know, or homeless people and orphans, you don't have a business, you have a charity. So you have to acknowledge the profitability factor too. So it's just a lot of different factors. And learning the messaging helped me to examine the parts of my business that you pull that messaging from. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think one thing that's really interesting too is you did um, really target women, and yet you do have smart men who are your clients. (laughs) So just... To wrap up, um, how did that come into being? Because, like, I think a lot of times people assume that when they niche down and they're, like, very specific, that somehow they're going to alienate everybody. But it's been the opposite in your case. And it's really been amazing because, like you said, your brand should attract ideal clients. And we half of our clients have been men from day one. And it attracted the right kind of guys, you know, the matcha guys that think they can do it. 
it didn't attract them. It attracted the men who said, hey, you know what? I'm not a car expert and I'm not afraid to admit that it's not my genius and I prefer to outsource things in my life that I don't like to deal with. Do you please help? We got so many calls saying, do you tell me you help men? Please tell me you help men. <laughs> That's wonderful. And so it's kind of been a joke, you know, it's like, hey, I'm the car chick and half my clients are men. And then my wonderful business coach, she was the one who actually came up with the tagline, a car buying service for women and smart men. Because it means that the men who are smart enough to realize that this isn't their genius and they shouldn't be dealing with it and they don't have to. And, and there's nothing wrong with that doesn't make him any less of a man. <laughs> exactly. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much, Leanne. This has been phenomenal. I love your brand. I love your business. And um, next time I'm going to definitely reach out to you when it's my time to buy a car. I was like, oh, a year too late. A year too late. I will if be only. here. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Bye. Thanks for joining the Branding BFF crew. Subscribe to stay connected to more behind-the-scenes conversations with entrepreneurs and brand creators. This show is brought to you by Spear Creative Edge, a strategic branding business. We help service businesses, creative professionals, and coaches with authentic branding so you can connect with your ideal clients more quickly. Learn more at SpearCreativeEdge.com.